Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. You're recording, yeah, red started, light now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. come up, yeah. You're recording this meeting. Make sure to let everyone know they're being recorded. Mark, you're being recorded. Yeah, try not to say <laughs> anything immensely stupid, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Mark, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Just for the um, just for the audience members who are listening in, uh, would you be able to just give us a bit of an introduction of yourself, Mark, and your background? Uh, yeah. I know we were kindly introduced by a mutual acquaintance, Mr. Mike Vickers, um, who, who who works with Flagship now and uh, is an absolute legend in his own lifetime. Um, but yeah, Mark, if you're able to just sort of take that away, I think you'll do a much better job than me of doing yourself justice. Let's hope so, Pete. Yeah. Um, I'm the team leader for the commercial vehicle incident prevention team at National Highways. We've recently changed our name to that from Highways England, but I will, I'm sure, say Highways England at some stage during this podcast. Um, I've been enrolled a couple of years now, and to be honest, the role is pretty much what it says on the can. Um, I manage a team of uh, project managers basically who are looking for interventions that we can pull together projects that we can run to try and reduce the single kpi which we're judged on which is the number of people that manage to kill and injure themselves on our strategic route network involving commercial vehicles what's been really interesting um is, is kind of a not a change of emphasis um but when i arrived here we were a team that spent an awful lot of time looking at heavy commercial vehicles uh, and in particular, looking at, their vehicle, at the actual condition of the vehicles. We still do that, uh, but we've extended our reach and turned way more of a focus now onto light commercial vehicles and also as part of that uh, onto the onto drivers and the, 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 the common human element in it. We'll talk about that as we go through you know, some of the projects that we're talking about, but the, the slightly inconvenient truth, I guess, is that vehicles don't crash themselves. It always needs a human intervention of, of some uh, type in there to look at that. Uh, in terms of background, um, I was with the Trade Association formerly known as FTA for 30 plus years. Um, loads of different jobs there, worked, you know, in lots and lots of different parts of the business. Uh, the last 10 years or so I was there, I was the, uh, behind the development of the award-winning Van Excellence programme, which uh, FTA built and latterly managed that. So it's very much about establishing a footprint in the in the van side of things, which is something we've carried over, over to highways. And you'll note then, I call them highways because it gets me out of the problem of trying to remember whether we're national highways or highways England. So highways. <laughs> what, what, why is it no longer highways England? Is it because it's now nationally across Wales and Scotland as well? Is that why it's not highways No, it's not. No, it, 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 I don't think it's got anything to do with that at all. I mean, our, our, our role is in within England. So I don't know. I think it was just a, just a, a corporate rebranding. Right, okay, because <laughs> okay. it's funny with the F FTA, I think my understanding is because everyone calls them LUK now. And I think they got away from FTA because they they were letters rather than the Freight Transport Association. So they've gone for Logistics UK. Now we've got to be very careful not to call them LUK because they get upset about it. Oh, I know. And again, that was that was after I left. But again, that would have been way above my pay grade. So I just, you know, just, <laughs> just trying to remember what we called me. I, yeah, I, I get it though. These things are important, aren't they? You know, making sure we're uh, we're correctly referencing stuff. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mark. Anyway, you were mid mid flow. Apologies. No, no, no problem at all. So yeah, fundamentally, the team um, sits within the health and safety structure at, at Highways. Uh, we have a responsibility around commercial vehicles, vans and trucks, um, <laughs> on our network. Uh, they're a big part of the traffic on our network, uh, stating, stating the obvious, about 60% of UK freight or English freight rather is, is carried on uh, on the, the motorway and uh, SRN networks. So that's the, what we call all-purpose trunk roads, the big fast trunk roads, primarily between towns and cities, which is our responsibility. Um, for the geeks amongst us, there's 4,300 miles of SRN strategic route network in England. Um, that's all of the motorways. Uh, and I say a good proportion of the, the fast A roads, the all-purpose trunk roads. Um, 
it carries a good 80 odd percent of, of, of UK of, of English traffic rather and a, a very high proportion of vans and trucks are using it for all the the obvious kind of reasons. Um, as I say, in terms of KPIs, uh, my team is primarily judged on two KPIs, although they're pretty much the same thing in reality. Uh, one is the number of KSI kill series injury incidents on our SRM. We love abbreviations. Um, the, the second KPI we, we're judged on is, is network reliability. And to be blunt, there are very few things that mess up network reliability more than people crashing on it. Um, so, you know, they're pretty much linked together. As I say, we develop projects. Um, when I'm asked what our team does, I tend to start with one of the more, I don't know, newsworthy projects that we, we're involved in and have been for a good while now, which is something we call Operation Tramline. Yep. That's where we lend police uh, an undisclosed number of adapted HDV units. There's between two and four of these units, which we, we lend out to the police. Um, they're elevated camera platforms, and, and to be blunt, I always like to take these kind of opportunities just to, to put to bed some of the, the myths that start surrounding these vehicles. Um, for the Daily Mail readers amongst us, these are our stealth, undercover, sneaky cabs that we put out there <laughs> to, to spy on the poor, unsuspecting motor in public. Um, they're white DAF tractor units. Uh, I got involved in a whole discussion on a, a Facebook HDV driver forum last week about they were trying to work out whether they were allowed to tell people what the registration numbers of the vehicles were, blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what the registration numbers are. It's R70JLA, R70JLH and R70JOU. Uh, they're white DAF tractor units. They are unmarked. The only reason they're unmarked, to be honest, is that we wanted to get some magnetic livery we could use on them. Uh, as and when we needed. There were a couple of issues with that. One is that it falls off at 45 mile an hour, which wasn't particularly helpful. Um, the other one was when we had our new cabs delivered, we discovered they were made of glass fibre, so magnetic livery really wasn't going to work anyway. So that is the only reason they're unmarked. Uh, when we replace them, the, the intention is that they are marked up. We're not trying to sneak up on anybody. And frankly, from, a, from an HGV driver point of view, if you can't spot a white DAF tractor unit, coming up behind you at 65, 70 mile an hour because they are, the speed limiters are switched off on them. You probably need to have a word with yourself, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, and what, so I, I can just speak from a bit of experience there, Mark. So uh, they must not have been yours, but in, um, I was on the M11, um, I would say, say sort of Essex way, M11, yeah. Essex way, um, in a car doing 70 as I should be doing 70 on, on, on your is it sorry is it your SN S S R N strategic group network. yeah I was on I was on your uh, uh, yeah yeah SRN doing 70 as I should be and it's such a strange feeling so I don't think it was one of your DAFs but there was an unmarked Mercedes truck uh, yeah, across. uh it was white actually um yeah it was a white one but I, I tell you what having experienced it firsthand it is very unnerving because you you look at your you look at your speedo and you look at how fast the vehicle's approaching, um, and you're like, hang on, that's not got a trailer, and that's that's it's rocketing really because you're just so used to vehicles, you know, HGVs traveling at 56, what have you, um, you know, and it was just it felt like it was rocketing along, um, and it is very and, <coughs> and I was very aware of it very early. I think is the key point. You just pick up. Essex Police have got one of their own, which is yeah, what yeah. you saw. It used to be blueberries, it's white now by the sound of it. One of my questions I had was, which I thought was interesting, is essentially it does it does it not need to have a blue light on it because it's going faster than what the speed limit is for that vehicle? It, and and that's not me with any preconception at all. No, I just found I've it. only got a police officer driving it, which they will have. It's yeah. it, it, fine, to be honest. Our cabs okay. do have blue lights. I mean, they light up like a Christmas tree. Do they? Yeah. We, we've got... They're not used for chasing, they're not, not used for pursuit, but they've got blue lights in case they do come across the scene of something and actually pull in. So when the cabs go out, they'll be, depends on, on the force, but they'll tend to be three or four intercept vehicles around it, bikes or cars. Yeah. All the vehicle is doing is just providing a, a camera platform. So I mean, we, we, you know, we're out there picking on other HGV drivers. No, we're not. Yeah. But you can't get away from the fact that we've now got somebody that's 10 foot up in the air and can actually see into other cabs um, yes. and we, we find stuff. The split 
is pretty consistent, to be honest. It's about 40% trucks that get pulled in. It's about 30% vans and about 30% cars. Um, the adaptation to the cabs mentioned earlier, speed limiters delimited. And you're right, they can get a get a lick on. Um, yeah. It doesn't do a fuel economy any good, I have to say. No. <laughs> uh, but they can get a bit of a lick on. Um, yeah. there, there's some internal stuff around seating that, that's gone on in there. But the main other adaption, apart from the blue lights and the, the, the speed limiter, is they've got 360 degree HD enforcement standard cameras on them, which was a new addition this time around. So we can actually see into lanes to our right, which has increased the number of cars and vans who are finding themselves on the on the receiving end oh, of it. Okay. Most of the images that you see up on YouTube, and there's loads of them that the, the various forces release, the, the, the passenger seat, the passenger is always a, a cop as well. Uh, I've got some high definition GoPros that they yeah. use on the end of a end of a stick, basically. Yeah. Well, um, I tend, it's funny, when I do any media stuff, because I, I tend to find myself talking to film crews, uh, TV news crews and all the rest of it, radio, uh, about tramline fairly regularly. And you always get that what's the most interesting, funniest, strangest thing that you've seen. We've learned that truck drivers will find all kinds of ways of distracting themselves when they're driving, some of which are suitable for a family audience and some of them aren't. <laughs> oh, um, God. We've got some weird and wonderful. If I'm pushed, I think my two favourites are the guy who was eating a fully plated lasagna uh, on, a, on, the, on, on his knees, complete with a little wow. bit tucked into his neck. And no garlic way. bread on the passenger seat, so full marks to table manners and not at all for <laughs> safety. But I always had a real soft spot for the bloke who got his parrot flying around in his cab. I mean, I know a lot of truck drivers will take their, you know, their dogs out with them and all the rest of it, which is fine. But no, this guy had a parrot in there, which was, was wow. entertaining. The reality of it, though, and the point I was trying to make to people is, you know, those are the spectacular... I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Jasper Carrot jokes, but they're old enough to... Uh, the, the, the daft, daft strange ones, the reality of it is most of the time, it, it, and I use the, the, the phrase deliberately now, dead boring. It's seat belts and mobile phone, time yeah. after time after time after time. Yeah. Why a truck driver doesn't want to wear the seat belt is entirely beyond me, but yeah. we find a lot of it. Mostly we deal with it by waving. I think we spent a fortune on these cabs. Probably one of the most effective tools that we have in them is, is a laminated piece of A4 which says put your seat belt on. Uh, which we hang out the window at and which usually does the job. Um, we do find amazing pieces of distraction, though, I have to say. I mean, as the, the YouTube video's got a lot of coverage recently of a guy with two mobile phones, one in each ear while he was steering with his knee. Um, it does beggar's imagination, really. So that goes on. A lot of people get a lot of awareness out of that. Um, and let me just underline, they're not stealth, they're not sneaky, they're out there doing a the job, they're out there yeah. to protect us all. One yeah. of the things, again, that's always quite interesting to get across to people is less than 50% of the, the pools that police get involved with this actually end up with some kind of prosecution, mostly it's words of advice. Right. One of the things that's quite interesting um, is the vehicles that have been intercepted will be pulled into usually a motorway services area somewhere where yeah. the, uh, the the police and DVSA will have a look at the vehicles yeah. and the drivers. Um, when we pull a truck driver in, I've got to be honest, it's normally it's a, almost a shrug of the shoulders and a fair cop. You know, we knew we were supposed to be doing something. We knew we weren't supposed to be doing something. You, we've been caught fair cop, basically. Mm -hmm. When we pull van drivers in, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, my God, we'll get a million reasons why it wasn't their fault that they were doing really? what they were doing. Oh, we had no idea. We couldn't put three and a half ton in the back of this three and a half ton van. What do you mean? I, what do you mean I need some tread on the tyres or, you know... <laughs> I mean, we obviously get a lot in the kind of building trades and landscapers and all the rest of it who, you know, have always got some unfeasibly large mini digger or lawnmower or something hanging off the back of a trailer yep, with no yep. visible means of support. You know, what do you mean I'm supposed to strap it on and fasten it down? And as you can imagine, insecure loads are a real point. Yeah, real know, challenge, really gets, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gets, us, gets our airs running on that. The reason I mention it, it kind of links neatly into a, another big project that we've been working on for a good few months now, which is getting a lot of uh, a lot of interest and a lot of support, which is in the van space and it's mm -hmm. our van driver toolkits. Yeah. The the broad idea of van driver toolkit is a load of resource basically to to literally try and take away that sorry mate I didn't know response. Yeah. So 
it's all up online. If, if any of your listeners want to go and have a look at it, please do. It's vandrivertoolkit.co.uk. Um, it will ask you a few through registration details when you get on there. It's nothing, nothing serious, and it only comes through to me anyway. So uh, you're, not, you're not signing your life away. But there's a load of resources there just trying to explain exactly the kind of things we're expecting a van driver to know. You know, do you actually know what the speed limits are in your vehicle? Do you know what hours you can actually drive? There's a lot of misconceptions about the legal requirements in the van world. And all we're trying to do with Toolkit is, is try and take those away. So they're a really good resource. Um, something that's worth emphasising of all the stuff we'll talk about this morning, it's all free because our lovely taxpayer has already paid for everything that we do. So it's just there to try and help and support. Great, uh, isn't it? I, it, I must it, say, it, sorry, Mark, I must say from experience, I think that the, the standards fall so far short of the HGV sector with vans. I, I see, you know, so many vans breaking the speed limit and they're clearly just totally unaware, um, you know, what they're doing and, and certainly overloading as well. Uh, no, no idea of overloading. I think that's uh, a real a real thing for us to try and overcome. It's a massive issue. To be honest, I mean the numbers. They oh, I've lost you, Mark. Oh yeah, well, I'm still there, according to me. Might have just been in my ear. Yeah, yeah. you're still here. Yeah, no, it's, I think I'm it back. was my, my earphones. Are managed to... no, apologies, yeah, I mate. We'll get those knockoff get... ones from the market, mate. That's what I think. <laughs> I've no, I've, we, we've been listened to. I've got Huawei. Um, Huawei one, which means, uh, yeah, they're probably even more illegitimate. I've got one of the phones, mate. I've been been being booked for ages, but there we go. Okay, so, um, yeah, where were we? Uh, uh, we're talking about vans. I'll, oh, I'll vans, say yeah, about how yeah. awful how awful they are, like breaking the speed limit, and the drivers have got no idea a lot of the time. I don't, I don't know. I have I have mixed views on this, to be honest. I mean, I think there's a lot of I don't want to use the word ignorance, but I think there is a lot of, a lot of ignorance across van drivers and in particular van operators about what they should and shouldn't be doing, which again clearly is one of the reasons we've created van driver toolkits. Um, yeah, I'm sure that the van drivers and van operators are running around with two fingers stuck up to the world, absolutely. But there's a number of ways of looking at this, I think, in all honesty, Pete, is one of the best lines I ever heard was from a fairly senior police officer who had a room full of van and truck operators in front of him at an event and his opening line was he said okay guys how many of you run trucks and all these hands went up and said yeah I run trucks so great okay terrific how many of you guys run vans and people automatically take their truck and he said no no leave your truck hand up I want your other hand up in the air if you're running vans. So we ended up with a bunch of Charlies in the room with both vans stuck up in the hand doing a bit of the old jazz hands stuff. And he said, okay, terrific. Of those of you who run vans and trucks, how many of you run your vans and trucks to different standards, different policies, different procedures? And every time I've seen him do it, the room will split into three groups. There's a bunch of guys and girls, not very many of them usually, looking quite smug because they do run their vans and their trucks to the same standards. There's then normally quite a big group of guys and girls who are getting a bit clammy and a bit sweaty around the edges because they do run them to different standards, but there's no way they're admitting it. And then there's usually a small group who, who do run them to different standards and are prepared to admit it. So having established those three groups, uh, the officer involved will, okay, just say, why? And go quiet. And sooner or later, somebody will break the silence. It works every single time. And the usual answer is, well, it's because the law is different, which I think is quite a brave thing to say to a senior police officer, which is exactly what he's expecting them to say. And the answer is, no, it's not. If you step back and think about it, there are rules about loading, overloading. There are rules about hours. There are rules about vehicle condition. And the reason that... We suspect that that response happens is because people get the operator licensing system in trucks mixed up with the law. Yeah. The law is that you have a license. What the traffic commissioners can get you to do before they grant you that license isn't the law, but the law is that you have a license. So traffic in the your operator license will require you to carry out previous defect checks on your vehicles, for example. There's no law that says you have to do previous defect checks. There's a law that says you have to have an operator's license, and that's the only way you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. 
The only law that exists about vehicle roadworthiness is section, section 100 of the Construction and Use Act, which says your vehicle will be roadworthy. How you achieve that's up to you. So there's a mix as to why the law's different. Now, the, the punchline that our police colleague is trying to get to with all of this lot is please don't have a crash in one of your vans on my watch. Because if I know that you do know how to run some of your commercial vehicle fleet properly, but you've chosen not to run another part of your commercial vehicle fleet properly, just be on notice, I'm coming after you. It's not acceptable. And that's one of the real big messages that we're trying to put across. Um, when I was running the Van Excellence programme for FTA, I mean, it sounds a little bit flippant, but the guys who got it right thought their vans were little trucks. The guys who got it wrong thought they were funny shaped cars. And it really was almost as straightforward as that. You know, if you, if you adopt the same kind of policies and processes your listeners who are running trucks do across their van fleets, or if they're not running trucks, learn from what truck operators do, pre-use defect checking, driver assessments, all the rest of it, then actually you won't be far off and Van Driver Toolkit is there to try and try and support all of that. So that's been a really positive um, project. We're still working on it. We're in the process of uploading a load of videos for people to use. We're in the process of uploading some ready-made toolbox talks, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yeah. that'd be good. That'd be good. Brilliant. I'll uh, I'll share that link on the uh, on the on the uh, show notes. You know, yeah, please that's, a, that's a really useful link. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind as well, there's another link I'd like you to share, which is uh, drivingforbetterbusiness.com slash calm driver. Um, I better explain to your listeners, driving for better business highways, uh, driving for better business, easiest way of thinking about it is it's, it's a brand w which we use for comms purposes, communication purposes. So it is effectively highway. Uh, I mean, you said highways England, then, but I managed not to. It is effectively <laughs> national highways under a, a you know an alter ego, basically. Calm Drive is a project uh, we've been involved with for ooh, probably about eighteen months now with the campaign against living miserably, the suicide prevention charities. Um, it came really just from that realization of that horrible statistic that most people are aware of now that suicide is the biggest killer of men under fifty. And, you know, it's just one of those light bulb moments when you sort of think men under 50, God, that must be most van and truck drivers. And it turns out it is most van and truck drivers. It's a good 75% of van drivers are men under the age of 50. Um, in truck space, very, very similar. Um, and we also discovered uh, as well, there was some research with surface which shows that van and truck drivers are about 20% more likely to take their life than uh, similar demographic in other other roles as well. Wow. So it's nothing particularly complicated. It's uh, a pack that we've developed with Calm, a couple of stickers, little leaflet in there, um, all available FOC if you go to our website. Um, and we're just trying to, use, I mean, it's an overused phrase, I know, but we're just trying to start the conversation against uh, in, a, in a, a demographic of individuals. We know we are in the Irish demographic. We know they tend to be low workers, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the warning signs there, I guess. To be honest, um, we've distributed about 45,000 of these packs now. Um, I can't give away too many of the statistics because they're, they're calm statistics, but on the basis that some of the stats they've given us behind the scenes, we have almost certainly saved two or three lives in that Brilliant. period of time through you know people seeking help and support. So, so that's, that's all good. Very proud of that Brilliant. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very proud of that one. Um, there's other stuff going on, but one of the things when we were setting this up, you you, you said to be of interest, Paul, is having a chat about. Um, sorry, I've changed your name to Paul somewhere along the line there, Pete. Sorry, it's um, fine. I was I was working out whether I was gonna whether I was gonna interrupt you and go it's Pete, by the way, or whether yeah, I was just gonna let you carry on. Pete, it was, could have been worse, couldn't it? To be I was going to no, let you go through, say. and then and then I'll record the intro after and go. By the way, Mark refers to me as Paul throughout the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I've even got it written down in front of me, so there's no excuses, really, is there? To be honest, um, <laughs> in terms of some of the development stuff that we're looking for, there's there's I mean there's a, a load of stuff going on. There, there's probably three or four in particular I'd like to just kind of mention at this stage, but they do come with a bit of a health warning, Colin or Dave or whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they're under development. They may not get to fruition. I'll, I'll, we sincerely hope that they do, but, you know, they're, they're under development. That's the old nature of it. Um, 
you'll also discover as i talk through this we're not very good at naming projects so the first one is uh, something we're calling ping um is that an abbreviation we, mark is it an abbreviation no, no, it's no? Oh, okay that's what it is just <laughs> ping. um this is looking at using data that we have available from the various sensors and cameras around our network some of which are enforcement cameras and sensors some of which aren't but the data doesn't get used for very much when it's not being used for enforcement activity and it started a meeting i was involved with probably about eight nine months ago now when i discovered that we got this data which we weren't necessarily doing all that much with and i said look my experience is that most half decent fleet operators would kill to know that we have spotted what one of their vehicles is up to when, when it's around the corner and out of sight. So I, I had this whole, no, they wouldn't, yes, they would, no, they wouldn't, yes, they would conversation until it finally got to, well, put your money where your mouth is then. So we worked with three large fleets, can't tell you who they are for the obvious reasons, but three large fleets and the premise is really straightforward give us a list of your registration numbers and we will see if we can spot them up to anything and around the corner and out of sight hi it's pete from flagship partners we're really proud to sponsor a half dozen things podcast at flagship partners we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership we help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses including first aid driver cpc and other transport management services so if your floors accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score give flagship partners a call today on the basis for well two things really one when the kit's being used for enforcement purposes the gloves are off so if you get caught you get caught you know and just deal with it but when it's being used not being used for enforcement if we let you know about it we're expecting you to sort it out you know without recourse to to anybody else we trialed it on two sets of cameras uh, we we had on the network which we were part of separate experimental projects so they weren't being used for enforcement at the time there's a a set of cameras uh, they're decommissioned now just so your listeners know but they're on the m1 uh, run by Milton Keynes which were adapted to uh, identify close following Mm -hmm. um clearly a big issue very big issue in the hgv world you, as, as, as most of your listeners will be aware um just for the purposes of the conversation we think for that particular exercise close following is within 0.47 seconds of a vehicle in front so it's reaction time so we're not getting involved in any conversations about my truck or van has got the world's best braking system on it or is being driven by you know, retired Formula One driver or anything like that. It's reaction time. You ain't got hope. Yep. Yep. Um, we found quite a bit, to be honest. Uh, we threw it back over. We pinged, if you excuse the pun, it back to the operators who wanted to be involved and said, look, look what we've found. Get it sorted out. Um, and they did. We didn't get the levels down to zero. We wouldn't be expecting really to get the levels down to zero, but they made massive strides. It was whole uh company campaigns going on um one of the organizations in particular was using a lot of agency drivers which is, which is fine but you know the agencies were put on warning you know you tell you guys to stop doing this otherwise we're going to stop using you so really really positive the the other set uh on the base of the m4 and there was quite a bit of press coverage about these cameras over the the christmas period if any of your listeners remember they, these are uh, linked to some ai technology which yeah. is pretty decent identifying handheld mobile phone use and non-seatbelt wearing um we found quite a lot when we checked it across uh, our operators list and again the ball was back in their park to get it sorted out which they had to do they did rather admirably we did capture a photo i have to say this of a guy who went for the um he got the full monty on this this particular driver so he he, he hadn't got his seatbelt on he got one mobile phone stuck to his ear and another five charging on the dashboard for god's sake i don't quite know why anybody wants six mobile phones but uh, but he did um so yeah it, 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 it's quite enlightening so ping is we're at the technical feasibility stage of it at the minute which is just trying to understand exactly what kit we've got out okay. on the network how well it's functioning, what we can use it for, et cetera, et cetera. So that should be finished in a in a month or so's time. And then it's hopefully it's full speed ahead in terms of actually developing the process, which is when we'll be inviting 
other operators to to get involved with it. I, I was going to say, so at, at, at this stage, as an operator, I'm not able to get on that scheme yet, but potentially in a month or so time. Is it, it's only in the testing phase at the moment. Test stage yeah. at the minute, we'll be moving to a larger test and then into full full deployment of it. I'm hopeful, you know, by the end of this year. So we're moving quite quickly on it. So we'll many we'll um, many transport managers listen to the podcast. I think they're going to be chomping at the bit for that data. I think that's just so so valuable. I hope is it is it likely that this one out of them all is it likely that this one will come to fruition? Yeah, I I, I would put the odds on it coming to fruition. To be honest, we're getting a lot of interest and a lot of support mm. on it. There's, there's quite a number of hoops to jump through to mm. get to get to it, but the, the for me the premise of it is just so so simple. Yeah. You tell us what your registration numbers are, so there's no GDPR issues with it. Keep the list up to date. We'll check. I don't know once a month. Mm. Have a look. We get terrific imagery off some of the kit as well, which is mm. you know a picture really does tell a tell a thousand words sort of thing. Um, you know we'll let you know what's going on. Sorted out. Yeah, I think um, I think there's many many transport managers out there who I think would relish the opportunity to be able to uh, proactively manage driver and driver behaviour, whether that's in cab or or driving style. If they had the relevant data, without without there a need to be any enforcement action, I think. I think, I think so. To be honest, I, I think, think there's many transport managers who would who would relish that opportunity. I really do. So, it yeah. comes under the, the there was a guy who did some work with many many years ago and he, he you always have to end up with the well why wouldn't you yeah you know i'm um, seriously if this if this data is available you know there'll be an mou in place because we need to have a, a confidence that we've told an operator what we've seen given them the evidence they're going to go away and, and sort it out in whatever way then mm. then that's great i mean it was an unexpected spin-off of one of the organizations that we we've been working with on this um you know we asked them what their attitude would be to drivers using mobile phones for example i said what's well, gross misconduct which i'll do and i said oh, okay fine but you know we've, we've found quite a few of your drivers doing this mm-hmm. and they didn't show them the door what they actually did was you know disciplined them of course yeah educated them trained them and told them they're on what and actually i've got to be truthful i think that's a better response because if they yeah. just got rid of them, they know, we know they'd have walked into a job next week with somebody else and just carried on doing what they were doing for somebody else. But actually now we know they're out there in these this company's vehicles with and, and are behaving themselves, which is great. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Sorry, I totally agree with that point of view. Just whilst we we're on that about retraining drivers, like the the thought I always see in the Facebook forums and the groups, sack them, sack them. That doesn't solve the road safety anything. problem. That's got to work for somebody else. Yeah, doesn't solve the road safety problem. We've got to educate drivers to be better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Otherwise, we just move a problem to someone else, which I think the morally is the wrong thing. Yeah, it just it just shuffles it. it. Shuffles it. It's, yeah. it's been a similar thing. We've been doing quite a work around, lot of work around HDV AEB systems uh, for the last few months, and you know, HDV's great majority of them have had. Uh, AEB systems fitted to them mandatorily since 2015. So it's probably about half of the UK trucks on our network have got AEB systems. And we know in the driver forums it gets a lot of grief for being unpredictable and and all the rest of it. But what we've identified is there's actually, I'm, I'm trying not to use the word ignorance again, but there's such a lack of awareness out there, not just with drivers, but with their managers as well, as to what the AEB systems do, have a function etc so we booked quite a lot of resource out fairly recently around that just trying to dispel some of the the myths and old wives tales that exist around it they do have some limitations to their abilities you know i know of, of one particular supermarket fleet that's got a mix of uh, a couple of different manufacturers vehicles on there uh, the one manufacturer's AED systems triggers virtually every time on this bend coming out of their RDC. The other manufacturer's system never triggers. Nobody seems to understand why, but it all he needs is a note to the driver. Just be aware your, your system's likely to trigger coming around this bend. And as your listeners will know, all we're really looking for the driver to do is just put a bit of input into the steering or just click the brake or something and the system will go away. So it's around that. The, the, the slightly 
inconvenient truth with a lot of this so is when we do the manufacturers have, have, have fed us this information of course and you know along with the guys at Patron, we do a lot of research into this sort of stuff if as a as a transport manager you've got you've got some of your drivers who you know forever moaning about the system triggering and all the rest of it it's actually probably not a bad indicator that they're not the best of drivers <laughs> they're getting too close they're too aggressive in the way they drive it so the system will trigger on it so you know there's a lot of information there for the transport managers to take in but again if you just google driving for better business and AEB systems i'll send you the link over i repeat after to drop into your notes yeah brilliant thank there's, you there's quite a lot of stuff we put up there fairly recently which hopefully your listeners will, will find helpful brilliant. um we've got another couple of things i'll probably take the opportunity to run by you as well um we're look, doing quite a lot of work looking into post-collision response at the moment um so plan A is we stop people crashing into one another. Plan B is they have crashed into one another. Let's try and keep them alive after that. And we've been doing a lot of work with some uh, NHS uh, trauma specialists on this. And we've discovered a statistic, which I've got to be honest, I found almost as alarming as suicide being the biggest killer of men under 50, which is the paramedics will tell us that 80% of the pre-hospital deaths that they encounter at the side uh, as a result of road collisions would have been preventable if there had been a little bit of first aid going on uh, so they'd actually got something to work with when they got there mm -hmm. so what we're looking at is how we can improve survival rates i guess is the the blunt way of looking mm -hmm. at it so three main elements to the project as it's shaping up. So number one, how do we help people make the best 999 call anybody's ever made? We're, we're contemplating it, contemplating calling it if Carlsberg made 999 calls, but that's only because we've got our eye on a little bit of sponsorship if anybody from Carlsberg is listening. Uh, <laughs> but how do we get people to make the best 999 call they ever make? A good 50% of the calls coming into blue light call centres, people don't actually know where they are. Yeah. They don't really explain what they're what they're seeing in front of them so we don't necessarily get the right resource out first time we you know might be too little might be too much etc so whole piece around making the best 999 call and if we can shave a few minutes off the response time that that's fantastic if the individual who's come across the scene of the crash is going to hang around and we're not trying to force people to do stuff they don't want to do that's really important to make that point but if they are going to hang around their vehicle is going to be somewhere so let's help them position their vehicle to protect themselves, protect the scene, not cause other incidents, not get in the way of the blue lights when the blue lights turn up. So again, guess what? We've got a load of traffic officers who are really good at that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll use their knowledge to, to drive that. And you then get into the first aid piece. So, you know, any of your guys have done first aid training, any of your guys from a military background, it's very much a kind of military buddy system that we're looking to to adopt here. Um, our trauma colleagues tell us that the three main causes of death uh, before the ambulance gets there. And all we're trying to do is give the ambulance guys something to work with. So we're only trying to keep you alive for 10 minutes until somebody with a fully equipped ambulance turns up who knows yeah. what they're doing. But the three main causes uh, is cardiac. So you're into your staying alive routine. If you remember the old advert, if there's a defibrillator available, even better. Um, Blocked airways. So, what do you do with a blocked airway? Simple, you unblock it. You know, it's as, as straightforward as that. And bleeds. Bleeds are interesting, uh, internal, external. Mm. Internal, there's not that much that can be done until we've got the victim to a medical centre where they can be imaged and they can work out where they're leaking from. So, again, that puts an emphasis back on the on the making the best 999 call anybody's made because that couple of minutes you've saved might be the couple of minutes that makes a difference so that's really important if it's an external bleed stick something in it and push yes you know simple uh tourniquets get a bit of a bad rap but actually it's because they're left on for too long most of the time so we're only talking 10 minutes till the paramedic turns up he does know what they're doing so you are really into kind of battlefield stuff um as I say, the aim is to keep, keep the, the victims alive long enough. Uh, a, a triage is important. Um, those of you who have ever dealt with, your listeners who have ever worked with, with kind of paramedics and medical professionals will know that they tend to have quite a, quite a, a blunt way of expressing themselves, uh, particularly the guys who are kind of ex-military. 
So from a triage point of view, what we're getting is, look, if they're dead, they're dead. You know, nothing you can do about them, leave them where they are, they're dead. Uh, if they're screaming off the top of their lungs, they might be in incredible pain, absolutely, but they're not likely to die in the next 10 minutes. And on the bright side, at least we know where they are. Um, it's the old adage with any first aid, it's the quiet ones. And as I say, very often in this time, the great majority of stuff is around the airways, cardiac incidents and bleeding. So all of which can be dealt with and worked with. So we're keen to sort this out. It's going to, the, 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 way it'll, the way it will look is there'll be some training that we will make available, e-learning, uh, micro dose, doses of e-learning. We reckon we can cover this off in about 40, 45 minutes worth of of e-learning broken down into nice tidy little chunks so mm -hmm. anybody involved our ambition on this i have to say is massive you know our ambition is any driver on our network who wants to get access to this we will provide access to it whether it's a, a civilian car driver somebody driving a car for work a van driver truck driver whatever our ambitions are, are massive with this um but there'll be bits of e-learning that people can pick up on again there will be flc the kind of thing that you know a driver could look at for five minutes on their phone while they're stuck waiting for something to happen yeah, um exactly. and we'll back it up with an app um there's an app that we really like actually which your, your, your listeners might find useful something called citizen aid if you've not come across it have a look on your your, your various yeah. play stores it's exact entirely the wrong topic for what we're trying to do this is all about if you were unfortunate enough to find yourself in the middle of a terrorist attack, what should you do to survive the terrorist attack? But the way it's laid out and the way that it's produced is exactly what we want to have for this. So we are working with the guys at Citizen Aid to support us on this. So the training is important, but we're also conscious that when a driver comes across the scene, their brain will go to mush. So if yeah. all they remember is to, to fire up the app, and the app will guide them through making the 999 call, positioning their vehicle, the medical stuff if they're feeling inclined to get involved with that. We're also, just as a reference back to the calm driver thing we spoke about a little bit earlier, Pete, is we're going to be looking at um, what, what, what should you do if you come across a person in crisis as well. And a lot of that is actually just about being a, new, being a human being and engaging and talking to people, you know. The, so that, that's moving at a bit of a pace. I'm hopeful that we'll see some output from that um, toward the back end of this year. So we'll keep you posted on all of that. And you'll yeah. That. I think that'd be quite positive. What an incredible opportunity that is, I think. Uh, I hope so. Sounds great, right, so. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I hope so. And I'll just demonstrate now just how bad we are at naming projects now, because the last one I want to have a quick chat with you about is something that we've called, and I don't know if you're... If, you, if your podcast is an over-18 podcast or not, there are two versions yeah. of the title of this one. If it's the over-18 <laughs> version, this is Just I fine. drive a truck and no shit. Sorry, stuff. <laughs> what we've come to the conclusion of, I guess, to an extent, is an awful lot of, let's call them civvy drivers, non-professional commercial vehicle drivers, aren't necessarily that aware of what they should and should be doing out on our network you know you can see when you look at i mean one of the things that grinds my gears when we, is when we talk about breakdowns is 50 percent of breakdowns to my mind aren't breakdowns they've run out of fuel or they've stopped for a wheel or something stupid and then they get crashed into so how do we help city drivers better understand what's going on out there and how to keep themselves alive and the much aligned hgv driver and indeed the van driver they're out there all the time. So that spawn of Satan truck driver, if you read the Daily Mail, is only the spawn of Satan for eight, nine, ten hours a day. The rest of the time, they're somebody's dad or the mate down the pub or, or whatever. And what we want to try and find a way of is saying, look, I'm a truck driver and I know stuff. So do you, do you know what to do in the case of a breakdown? I had this conversation with my daughter a few months ago when we were kicking this idea around. Not the first clue. Not the first clue. I've been driving for years. Not the first clue what to do. So how do we break that down into chunks? And the way it's developing at the moment, there's kind of two main streams of stuff here, Pete. Number one is what CV drivers need to know about HDVs, i.e. I can't see anywhere near as much from my cab as you think that I can see. So driving around in my blind spot isn't the best thing for you to do to protect your health and safety. So just understand I can't see what you think I can probably see. Yeah. 
I'm also driving something that's potentially 44 tonnes, so just the laws of physics means it takes a bit of time to stop it. So please don't dive in front of me because I might not be able to stop in time. You know, it bends in the middle in a lot of cases, so I might take what looked like a very peculiar line around traffic junctions and traffic islands. So please don't dive up the inside of the outside of me because I'm likely to squash you. Yeah. So all that kind of stuff for an HGV driver now is how do we get how do we pass that knowledge on to their peer group? It might be the mates down the pub or whatever. So we want to try and get a few little bits of resources. We're not trying to be heavy duty with this. The other angle on this, which is quite interesting as well, guys, is is thinking about the number of individuals within an organization. So we employ there's about six and a half thousand people work at national highways. How do we get the information to them? about this kind of stuff to make them slightly better drivers you look at you know some of your your clients pete you know they've got not just their driver workforce but there's the rest of the people there so how do, we, yeah. how do we find a way of packaging this up to pass on yes the other element of it is what can your cv driver learn from the way an hgv driver prepares for the journey we've already discussed this they will check their vehicle over before they set out so, you know, if you're in a car and you're off on your jollies, got a long journey in front of you, have you checked your vehicle over? Yeah. Probably not. No. You've probably made sure, you know, have you got enough fuel to get to where you are going to? You know, particularly we're getting more and more EVs on, on the roads, you know. Have you got enough fuel to get to where you're going to? Have you planned where you're going to refuel in the case of an EV in particular? Have you planned your rest breaks in, etc.? We planned your journey. So all that kind of stuff an HGV driver does just naturally because that's the job that they do. How do we share some of that knowledge out? So that, that's shaping up quite nicely. I've, I know we were chatting before we kicked the podcast off. This did start as a bit of a daft idea over a cup of coffee. Um, the more we're looking into this and the more we're engaging with operators and saying, look, would this stuff be useful for you? Absolutely. So it might have just turned out to be one of those daft ideas that is actually quite useful in terms of trying to influence behaviours. And I have to say, thinking of your, your listeners, Pete, is HGV drivers get maligned enough as it is. They do a terrific job. You know, they do a fantastic yeah. job. You know, and we had all the conversations about driver shortages and during the during pandemic and all the rest of it. They, they kept, kept the country going. So hopefully this is a way that we can try and boost that position a little bit because guess what i drive a truck and i know shit <laughs> stuff <Perfect. laughs> so there's a load of stuff going on pete um very happy to keep you and your listeners on board as we as we go through as i say the the, the development stuff does come with an help warning because until it's out through the door you know yeah, all sorts of, of things can go wrong with it but uh, the, the potential i think and hopefully your listeners will agree is is massive i think if there's a you know, a message from me, guys, is we, we come in peace. You know, we, we've got an awful lot of resource, which very often is a bit of a best kept secret. Um, have a look at the Driving for Better Business websites. Uh, there's loads and loads of information in there for van and truck operators in there. And, you know, I'm very happy if you, you know, whichever way you do it, Pete, if you want to put my link, uh, email address into the links or anything, if people want to get in touch find out more or if they've got any suggestions that we can we can look at and should be looking at I'm very happy to engage that's, that's yeah. what we're trying to do well, i appreciate that mark i think um i hope i hope you don't get your email bombarded <laughs> but um no there's not that many listeners all two of them will be fine <laughs> yeah both of them will be fine. <laughs> feel like i've got some friends it's lovely yeah absolutely but no i think i think there's some there's some wonderful takeaways there i think there's a lot of great stuff in the pipeline i'm hearing you know the, the key takeaways from this session run that run your van fleet like you run your hgv fleet yeah basically um yeah and then there's loads of resource available on the on the websites isn't there so if you can send me if you're able to just send me those links over uh mark that'd be spot on i'll make sure they're in the show notes for people to go away and have a look at i love um I, you know i love the mental health element it, there, there's so much that aligns certainly with with flagship my business around the first aid training and the mental health training as well um it's so valuable and, and you know what 
we're picking up from the driver CPC training we're doing. We we do first aid as part of the driver CPC because we feel that it's a great opportunity for drivers to be the first responders. But also we're doing quite a bit on mental health. It's been really, really well received, really, really well received for drivers. A lot of uh, a lot of people are a little bit scared or I'm not sure how people are going to react. But I think once you once you take the approach, like you said, you, t you use the term just be a bit more human. You know, when we're a bit more human with people uh, and just sort of let that facade down, I think that uh, makes a big difference. And there's so many uh, guys that fit into that demographic, isn't there, in the out yeah. out on the highways at the moment? I think so. There's a, something just to kind of add to, I guess, Pete, with, you, with something you just kind of reminded me of is is with the um, post-trauma stuff we've been talking about. Mm. Yes, we will be creating some training. Yes, we will be creating an app. But we will also, before we do that, we'll be creating a framework for the training and a framework for the app. So we're very comfortable if people want to create their own versions of stuff yeah, perfect, for whatever yeah. reason. If it fits within the framework, our intention is that we, we recognise it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so the business has got a choice whether they, whichever route they want to go down, that's, that, that's absolutely fine. There's no, no issue at all with that. Um, so that'll be, be interesting. Um, in terms of um the general you know the stuff you, you mentioned there pete the, the the suicide prevention stuff obviously is really important to us you know we, we do sadly get quite a number of people take their lives on our network uh we we get people using the structures jumping off bridges and, and diving out in front of traffic but we also know there are people involved actually in the vehicle that will drive the vehicle into something they're more difficult for us to to pin down but anything we can do to help and support that um yeah it is i think that's that's just the message guys we're just here to try and help and support definitely definitely i think i think what what you mentioned from a first aid point of view just as a closing point i think it'd be really useful we do the first aid course as part of the driver cpc but it doesn't cover it doesn't cover making the vehicle safe um and, and and those things because the first aid element is what's required by the health and safety executive as part of that content uh yeah. but i think that additional information will be a really good at value add about actually this incident has happened on the road what what other considerations are there roadside that we need to consider which are you know ample ample huge amount of risk there isn't there for people um from a safety point of view so to start to consider those i think would be really valuable mark you've been in Sorry. And the 999 call, sorry, Pete, just to interject yeah. is, you know, as I say, a lot of people really don't seem to have the first clue where they are, where they make the calls, or yeah. not so well as describing, you know, what they've got playing out in front of them, so their resource gets packed out. So anything like that would be Absolutely. really happy to work with you on, fun, Pete. Yeah, and just 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 on that note, uh, what three words is a great is a great app yeah. uh, for for people to use? I'm sure, Mark, you're aware of that one. Um, if people are listening and have thought about that, we we spread the word on the what three words because that will give that will give an ambulance literally to the point of where you are if you've got what yeah, three words three that, meters, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it gives brings you within three meters they can find out where you are so um that'd be very for those who uh are maybe directionally challenged um <laughs> what three words may be able to get you around that uh, mark you've been a gent thank you very much for giving up your time to come and join me on the podcast really really appreciate it thank you no absolute pleasure paul kevin dave whatever your name is no. <laughs> fantastic Pete. enjoyed it no worries. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys, for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmart. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.